language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue. We would be honored if you would join us. How are you feeling? Your latest workups on your condition indicate that all damage has been reversed. Recovery is total. I believe you have been quite fortunate. No further thanks are necessary, Commander, but you are most welcome. It is my function and pleasure as a metaphor to help and heal human beings. Can you imagine what it's like to be an ace pilot? This is your chance to make that dream come true. Woo! All right, everyone. Welcome to Star Wars from the Back to Tank. Blocking S foils in attack position, right, Dave? Absolutely. Ready for assault. Yeah. Yeah, here we are. Star Wars Resistance Season 1, Episode 15, The First Order Occupation. It has started, Dave. It has started, and I have to say, I was really excited with the title, The First Order Occupation. This is the beginning of the end, right, Dave? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I was really psyched for this episode, but I was hoping to see something. I, I was really hoping that they wouldn't be safe with this yeah. lesson. And they and weren't. It worked. Yeah, and they weren't safe, Dave. Wow. I don't know what's happening. This show's good. <laughs> <laughs> Scary, isn't it? What happened? <laughs> All right. The synopsis has scrambles to help Sonara escape the platform as the First Order sends a contingent of stormtroopers to hunt a spy directed by Bosco Ning. Yeah, poor guy. I say his name differently every single broadcast, I think. But you know what? The funny part is Bosco has been one of the ones that I've noticed every time he's behind behind the helm. Uh-huh. The episodes turned out pretty well. You know, he, he, he's he got it down. Well, he's also a Filoni guy. He's a, yeah. He's worked with Filoni on various projects, so he's he knows what he's doing. Uh, the episode was written by Kevin Burke and Chris Wyatt. And as we had kind of hinted or previewed just a few seconds ago, another solid episode of Resistance has smacked us right on the forehead. Uh, two solid episodes in a row and four in a row with a clear direction. The writers of Resistance have been on a mission, it would seem, since coming back from winter break, and it's course correction time. That is their mission. Uh, they have chosen to accept their mission, and they are accomplishing it very well so far. I, I don't want to jump the gun. I don't want to get overly excited. And Same then they, here. It's kind of like, I'm like, after this episode, I'm like, okay, they've done very yeah. well at, up to this point. But now it's kind of like, I don't want to back you completely till I see where your story yes. is going. Yes, I want to be balanced in my excitement, but it's hard when you get a great piece of Star Wars. You know, it's it's kind of hard not to feel excited. But the previous, what, 11 episodes have been really rocky and yeah. and not very good to be honest with you. And I don't think that's a secret to that, anybody. First half of the season was not very strong. Yeah. And they seem to have found their direction, why they were on winter hiatus. And they have come back with some very good choices that I can definitely agree with. And I like the fact that basically they took that, they took that excuse. Remember we, we always said about resistance. They've always used the excuse. Oh, it's a children's show, right? It's a children's right. show. The last couple episodes, 
you don't expect the type of storytelling that they're going from a t- children's show. And this was actually this episode honestly dealt with something very serious, very political. But it yes. was it was something that basically everyone can talk about. Yes, and we're going to get into those political moments because I felt like that was one of many strengths that yes. they added to this episode. But we'll get to that uh, because uh, there's a lot going on from the political side, and it worked for me. It worked for me, too. But the focus for now, Dave, right now, this very second, and what has really made me happy with this show is they are avidly fixing all of the writing issues that hindered proper character development for Kaz. Yes. And honestly, it's fairly seamless. And to kind of back up what you just said, they're not changing Kaz into a different person. They're not trying to take the show down a more adult route. They're still keeping it kid friendly. Uh, if anything, they are very consistent with who Kaz is as a person, a bit naive, optimistic, and yes, very silly at times, but they're giving him a purpose. And that's all I wanted. I, I, I don't. I don't care if this is a show for kids. I don't care if this is uh, not for adults necessarily. And um, all we've asked for, Dave, is just a clear path for the show. What's the story? And we want to see our character have some drive, some purpose, some relevance. And that's what they've been giving us these last I'd say three to four episodes. I can't imagine them just turning it around and say, oh, well, that's enough. We're going to go back to what we were doing the previous, you know, first half of the season. And you'd think the purpose would have been to fight the resistance, right? That should have been his purpose from the very beginning. Or fight for the first order. Uh, Right. But there was an emotional disconnect. That was the issue. Because, yes, they did give him purpose. His purpose was to be a resistance spy. But where was the emotional connection? What, what, What was driving him? Why was he involved? He didn't really have a fight in the game. Sure, the First Order are a bunch of savages, but you must give our hero a reason why they should accept the call. The hero's call, the hero's Dave. Call, yes. Why should they take the hero's journey? A very classic archetype for Star Wars. And they found it during the second half of the season. It's, uh-huh. the, it's personal for Kaz now. He, he cares for Sonara. And that tiny aspect has made the show that much more interesting because it's given the show focus. And the thing that I really like about what they've done for Kaz this episode was the fact that they've taken uh, they've taken that character just like we said. He's mm-hmm. very naive. He's very young. He's immature. But in this episode, this is the first time I've ever seen them actually t- uh, take a moment for Kaz to develop, kind of like a more. I don't want to say adult mind, but basically or adult outlook, but basically like his questioning what makes him him right. and then having it affect him to the point that basically he's like going, okay, I understand from another person's point of view. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, from here we can open up more possibilities for Cass's character development as well. Dave, like we found that emotional thread that will drive him. Yes. Yes. It wasn't working when it was just about him snooping around. There needed to be greater risk and someone he cared for needed to be affected directly by the actions of the first order. Yes. And from here, I can only see it getting better. I don't understand why they didn't make this connection sooner. I felt like the very first episode had really set that up. It's kind of a no brainer. His father, his relationship with his father being contentious and uh, the two of them being on two sides of I I guess two different viewpoints 
on a situation. One is pro-resistance. One feels like they are radicals. I felt like that was the personal touch, but they didn't really take it anywhere after the first episode. But now they have managed to bring that little aspect back into play with Sonara. And I have to say it's refreshing, not to mention more healthier, a lot more healthier for me this way. There's no chance of me getting a heart attack uh, from my disappointed diatribes. <laughs> yes. Now that Kaz as a character is being mended, I can relax and not... Uh, rage rage quit or hate watch the show i'm actually enjoying the show i i, I found myself laughing at moments like wow i'm actually enjoying, enjoying the show, the show now. look out michael you might enjoy the show be careful quit getting good guys you guys are actually writing good what's happening <laughs> you're making me you're making me like kaz you're like, this is something weird yeah it's a weird feeling i have it's strange, and I really didn't think after 10 to 12 plus episodes, the show would end up turning itself around. And again, we are stating this early, but I find it hard to believe that they would completely derail the direction they're going in now. Like, it doesn't feel... It doesn't... If these writers were completely incompetent, I'd be like, yes, it could happen. But the majority of these writers are part of Filoni's group. It's yes, part of his it is his clan of writers that have followed him from job to job over the years. So because I know they're competent writers, now that they have found this direction, I can't see them going back. And that's why I'm excited, because the show has its focus. It has its drive. And Kaz is slowly but surely being repaired. And that's, again, just to reiterate, restate, that's all we really wanted was just a character with with purpose that was relevant to the overall story of Star Wars, and we're getting there. Yes. They did exactly like we've been saying. You can still be the same show, because we're not asking them to change the show. Uh, we understand this is a kid's show, like we said a few moments ago. The silliness, the lighthearted vibe, and it can still be geared more toward younger kids, but that doesn't mean you have to dumb down your writing and forget the basics of character development and narrative flow because you're trying to write for kids. Children are far more intelligent today than they were in the past. Yeah, I honestly, that's why I said is like, I never understood the excuse. Well, this is supposed to be a kid show. It's supposed to be a kid show. Kids can actually take mature storytelling as long as you take that storytelling and, and make it good. Yeah, I mean, they may not know what they're watching and why it sucks or why it's good, but they understand things. They understand that there's no care behind the lead character. No one really has any interest in him. They understand these things. They may not understand why, but they get it. Yeah. They're not dumb. And that's unfortunately how some writers for cartoons feel like they can do with, with these, with these shows. They can just kind of phone it in and say, well, you know what? It's children. They're the ones who are watching it. So it doesn't need to be all that serious or, or yeah. well thought out. And that's just not true. You have to write g good no matter what the medium or no matter what your, your target demo is. And, and that's what I have been noticing over the past three to four episodes is there is definitely a change in, in the respect of the story. It's like the writers have all come out of their, their haze. Like, you know what? We actually have some good things going on here, guys. We might want to take this one serious, right? <laughs> or or Filoni was in the bathroom for 11 episodes and he comes and he back. Comes and he's out. like, what the fuck is you this? <laughs> I handed you the reins for 11 episodes whilst taking a shit. I come back and it's disastrous. Come here. I want to hit you with my hat. <laughs> Who's the key grip? 
<laughs> I want you to punch that guy directly in the face. <laughs> I don't think they have key grips on cartoons, but hey, the joke still works. You never know. But I did find myself chuckling at some of the silly moments this week. Niku is just great. And that's a character I've always liked since the beginning for the most part. Because it works for him. Yes. That, that character is the one way that they could take all the silliness and goofiness and make it palatable. Yeah. Because you don't do that to your lead with Kaz. You don't do that. You don't rely on Kaz to do the goofy, oh, oh my God, arms waving in the air. I'm going to save the day just randomly. No. Get ready to be impressed. Yeah. You don't do that uh-huh. to your lead. You yeah. use that. That's why Niku, we've we've harped about it in the last couple episodes. Harped on it, yeah. The, about how important, why Niku is important to the series and what the positives are of that character. This is, that was, this episode, this was a really great example of how they use Niku to actually do the silliness and goofiness and make it work. Yeah, he's a very clever character. On a multiple of levels, the writers have really found their groove with him and they know how to make him work at the right times in our shows, in our episodes each and every week. And actor Josh Brenner, I believe, is the name that of the man that um, plays Niku. He just does a great job with the character. He does. And even Kaz, when he it was funny this week, when he tried to be suave in the escape pod, the escape pod's door. <laughs> Hit, hit hit him in the head while I was trying to, you know, put the moves on Sonara. Yeah. Even stuff like that is is funny. I, I'm not opposed to humor and lightheartedness. And now that our story is coming together, I find that these silly moments actually work for the story as well. Like, I'm okay with them that much more because of the the focus and the attention to detail. But despite his silliness, Kaz's silliness, and despite the fact that they use him more or less for the... I'm sorry, Niku, uh, despite his silliness and, and the fact that they use him more or less for comic relief or laughs. And correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like the writers this week not only gave us a preview or po- or maybe even possibly a better way of saying it could be foreshadowing of things to come when it comes to Niku. Niku mentioned his people's problems with the Empire, that there were stories of how badly the Empire treated his species. yes. Are we going to see, are we not just seeing Kaz's origin story? Have we just neglected to see that they're setting up their own group? Like I had always thought Tam, Tora, Niku were kind of just sideline characters to help Kaz, right? Get to where he needs to be as a resistance fighter. And that Yeager would be the one to join him eventually when he realizes that he can no longer stand on the sidelines. But are we actually seeing a group form? It would make Are s- we seeing Niku turn from mechanic into resistance fighter? Is that going to happen? I, it would make sense the more that I actually started watching this, getting into this episode, and then thinking of how they've been trying to portray this crew. And it's far different than in Rebels where... The group was seen as a family. They were seen as like a family unit. And they were immediately together. They were immediately together and they all had the same purpose. It was to fight the Empire. And it was pretty clear that that's exactly what this group of individuals was going to do. They were going to be them against the Empire. Yeah. And then this one, it's far different. It's more individuals. Everyone has their own reasons behind what they do now. And... 
the more I thought about it, we always harped in the in the first half of the season how each character seemed to take away from Kaz's story. Yeah, that they were setting something up. Right. And I agree with you. I think they are setting something up for maybe a couple of these characters have a spinoff of some kind. Yeah, or or at least strengthen the idea of camaraderie within Star Wars. Yeah. It, it feels like they are, for example, if they are doing this, it would be the best way, in my opinion, because it's, it's about Kaz. He is the lead. This yes. is, whereas Rebels was more of an ensemble cast. Clone Wars was a bit of an ensemble cast. Kaz is the lead, and he has side players that help him in his development, as you should have in a story like this. It feels like the best way to galvanize Kaz's role as a spy and potential resistance leader is by actually have him be a leader. And they always say the first quality of a leader is when you turn around, there's a group following you. And I, I'm wondering if that's the direction we're going in. Are we going to see Kaz become a leader, not just a spy that's at the beck and call of Poe Dameron whenever he feels like he should call him? Yeah. You know, is Kaz actually going to be the leader of his own resistance cell? And honestly, if they go in that direction, Dave, I will be so fucking happy as a Star Wars fan because, A, that just fits Star Wars, number one. It's the whole group thing, you know, the small... Uh, motley crew working together to overcome the odds. Yeah. Yes, it's more the same, but I think in this instance, I think it would work because the stories aren't completely the same. They're very different stories, different time periods. Uh, Kaz is a very different type of character that we've seen before, but if they are going in that direction, I think it's smart. Uh, Niku is obviously a, a, a sentient being, even though he plays off as a dumbass sometimes that who's completely inept, you know, um, completely inept. In, in certain things, but he is a sentient being and it would be interesting to see them take this person who has a completely different type of culture, a different type of way of communicating and using him in the resistance as well. Yeah. And it would make kind of sense if this group splintered off and became their own quote unquote resistance group because it would go the resistance in, part two. It would go, <laughs> it, it would go in line of like the current storytelling in the major, uh, major films because you got to remember the last movie that we had in last Jedi, one of the biggest plot points was the resistance sends out word for help request for help. And no one answers. Well, cause Kaz couldn't get the communication device to work. Well, <laughs> if they did that, I would expect that. The screaming and the, and the, the, screaming, the screaming and the falling. I hear it. They need help. They need help. I can't answer the comm link. But I could understand now if they did do the whole thing where, oh, there's all these like splinter cell groups of resistance and like, you know, you have Kaz and his group far away on the Colossus. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it would actually give more more substance to that moment when Leia sends out the word and, and, credence, no one, yeah. and, and no one answers because there's still like all these little cells. What are the, all these little cells? There's other do? skirmishes going on. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And even though we can see this path now, that doesn't mean everyone will fall in line. Ham is falling victim to the manipulative tactics of the first order. <laughs> and this is great. I think it's fantastic. In reality, not everyone will agree with your motives or political interpretations. Yes. Some people will only see what's in front of them. 
at like the safety of the platform and yeah. they won't really investigate how we got to this stage because, hey, we're safe. Everything feels good. We can go about our business without pirate attacks. In history, if you look at how occupations occur, a lot of times it's very, very similar to what we see happening in resistance. Yes. And for me, it feels pretty seamless. It does. It seems really seamless. It was really relatable. And for this episode, this was actually the one moment where I basically go, they could have gone a very cookie cutter. Oh, the, the for whatever the First Order is doing is evil, right? Right. But the ability to actually show, hey, what the First Order is doing, yeah, overall might be evil. But to some people... What the First Order brings is actually a positive because now I'm going to take take this into today's world and people might be surprised to hear about this. And, you know, it really related to me when Tam said that, hey, the First Order is just doing their job and they're just making security. It, in Wait, the real hold on. world, Are you about to justify for the First Order's actions? Yeah, because in in the real world. I come from the Philippines. My family's from the Philippines. Everyone knows that the Philippines currently, right now, under our president Duarte, is in a police He's state. He's not your president. Yeah, or or the are uh, the 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 you Philippines. You are really president. claiming him, aren't you? Like, well, he's a great leader. A, well, here's the thing: he brings great. He brought a great thing where it was like there's less crime, there's less there's less drugs. It's safer in the Philippines. Yes. There's, there's also no due process. There's there's no due process. <laughs> there's something that we gave up. But the question became, uh, the question I always tell people is, what are you willing to give up to get that security? Right. Like, say, for example, when I grew up in the, when I was a kid and I would visit the Philippines and grow up there, I always remembered the P Philippines was a safe place where, to the point where you can open your door and not worry about someone coming in and killing you or bringing in drugs into your house. Right, and then it changed drastically. And it yeah. changed drastically. Now, yes, there's a lot of, as as a lot of people say, well, they remove due process. They search you just randomly, okay. no question. Hold on a second, because I understand your point, but I don't think it's getting clear. I don't want people thinking you're a Nazi sympathizer. No, no, no. Um, yeah. Okay, you're saying that, yes, things are... We have lost many of our freedoms in the Philippines. That's what you're saying. Yes. But the chance of being murdered and killed by drug cartels and criminals has all but been vanquished. Yeah, it's gone down. It, crime has gone down and people feel safer. And people feel so safer. You, so that's your point. You're trying yeah. to you're trying to show you're trying to show understanding for Tam's perspective. Yeah, is that is that what you're from is that what you're saying? Okay. Yeah. Because when Tam brings that up, I'm like going, that's how I feel when I see that because Tam sees this and basically, yes, the first order is bullying people around, they're searching people rather rather harshly. However, all they're doing is their job to making sure that the platform is secure and safe. There's no pirates. Right. There's no pirates. Uh, Dave, I I agree with you and I do I, that's the reason why I like Tam's little tidbit that she had her purpose this week to show that there's going to be two perspectives and honestly I, yeah. I you know kind of back you up on what you were saying I hope they stick to their guns for a while on that that there is too. a little bit of a contentious vibe between the two of them uh Tam and and Kaz as they draw their 
as they draw a line in the sand, essentially, and they they take their sides. Number one, it represents what's happening in this country. Uh, we're very divisive. So they're bringing relevance to this show as well, showing that there's always going to be two sides. And there's a lot of arguing and infighting because of the different ideals of how this country should be ran. So if they're going down that route, I it would be, again, very refreshing for the show to tackle real world relevant political issues. Yes. And again, this I don't know if this is the right forum for this type of talk, Dave, but I mean, let's be honest. Um, democracy is great. Rainbows and and puppy dogs all around. Right. I mean, it's great. But in reality, it doesn't work for everybody. It doesn't work for everybody. As we have seen countless times, look at the Middle East. Some people just don't know what to do with freedom because they have no concept of what it is. Yeah. And you're asking people to change their entire mindset and their way of life. And it takes either a lot of time or people fall back into what they know and you lose democracy and you fall back into uh, authoritarian rule and dictatorship. Yeah. And I hope they bring that aspect into this show because that would be very unique for Star Wars because we've never seen people who kind of go with it because – Hey, we are safe. Yeah, we are safe. We're better. The government loves us. I mean, look at Russia, Dave. Putin has maintained power because he was a godsend to those people at the right time. The country was dying. There was no food. There was no industry. It was falling apart. It was on the brink of disaster. And then suddenly you have this charming, charismatic motherfucker named Putin come in. And feed people. Suddenly people are no longer starving and there's jobs and there's people jobs. are going back to college. What is it like 80% of the, the Russian population are engineers? Yeah. I mean, they're highly educated individuals over there. They can't make a dime off that degree, unfortunately, because the country's still broken. But when you go from starving every day, no joke, eating stew made out of roots and the soles of your shoes, read books. This is what they did. The people were so hungry, they would literally eat anything they can and melt it in a pot. They had bread tickets. Yes. So suddenly you have Putin coming in saying, hey, I'm going to feed everybody. Of course, people are going to allow him to take control and have power and, and love him because he's feeding them. He's feeding them. Never mind the fact that he's now silencing journalists and anybody who, who, who he feels is uh, going to hurt his chances at maintaining control and power over his people but if they were to bring that bit of realism into this show star wars we have plenty of instances in history that we can point to and say this makes sense this is real they're pulling some real world views for inspiration and the thing that i like about it too is like on the on the overall agenda too about the storyline that they could possibly go down is really showing the difference between the first order how they deal with things and the empire last last uh, show we discussed that basically the way the first, the empire did it they just steamrolled everybody and forced everyone into their way of way of thinking the first order with this episode you actually see that basically no 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 they're going not they're not going to steamroll you they're going to show you hey here's what we could give you but you got to give us something even more i agree and i disagree um but the way the empire got to power was manipulation is the same way the, the first way. order is getting to power 
But the difference is, is that the people of the of the of the galaxy had no idea what was happening until it was too late. It was too late until the Republic formed into an empire. And then that's why instantly it looked like, all right, we're going to do this and we're going to steamroll over here because we have complete control and power. You willingly gave up your freedoms so you can have a peaceful Republic. You gave up your freedoms and the guardians of peace so that you could have a new peaceful empire and we're abolishing this government republic that didn't work for anybody and people burst into thunderous applause as padme said yes that's a beautiful scene and it's It's honestly it's a lot it's a lot like what we're seeing in this episode especially with doza's statements about at what cost yeah i like that which we're gonna get into that in a second first we got to do a live read dave Patreon.com slash Rayman Digital. If you enjoy our discussions and you want to get more Star Wars from the back to tank, comic book reviews, book reviews, head over to Patreon.com slash Rayman Digital and pledge $5 or more a month. And with that, you'll gain access to hours and hours and hours of additional contents. Right now, we are continuing our discussion on Age of Republic, the comic series one shots that highlights both a villain and hero story. We're having a lot of fun doing that this month. Uh, we're also going to throw in a book, I believe, by the end of the month. We're not sure which one. Dave, there's a lot. <laughs> we don't know which one we're doing yet, right? Yeah, we don't know which one we're doing. There, there's a lot of choices out there, and I just don't want to be hurt again like the like the last shot book did to my soul. <laughs> I have never read such a horrible book in my life. <laughs> Star yeah, Wars book. I hate to Dude, say I it, love that all Star Wars books. one of the worst ones. Even this... some of the more simplistic ones and even the poorly written ones. I'm like, all right, yeah, I could get behind this, but... Last shot, first Star Wars. Hey, there's a first for everything, right, Dave? Yeah. And I think Last Shot was the first Star Wars book I've ever read in my life that I just I thought was complete and utter garbage. Yeah, it shit uh, the bed. <laughs> but if you want to hear why, there's actually non-trolly reasons. A lot of writing reasons as yeah. to why that book academic was academic reasons. Academic reasons. It's actually a very interesting discussion. So head over to patreon.com slash Digital and pledge. All right, Dave. So let's talk about the best moment for me this week in this week's episode. And it was Doza's revelation. The revelation that he might have made a terrible mistake by bringing the First Order on board the platform. And he kind of already knew it was a bad mistake. He kind of was forced into it uh, when his droid had essentially stated that having the First Order on board has really changed things for the good. People are safe. And Doza said yes, but at what cost? Yeah, that was, that was my second favorite moment in the whole episode. Just a fantastic thought to convey to young children. And I am usually against rearing children by way of TV. But if you're going to teach them a message, you know, I, I, enough with the anti-bullying and being a bunch of pussies. You know, if I am I, being very hyperbolic right now, Dave, but... You know, if your kid's being bullied, punch the other kid in the face. End of story. <laughs> we don't need long, drawn-out cartoons about bullying is naughty and being a good person is the best way to be a human being. This is how you teach children the importance of understanding politics and politicians. This is something many of us learn later in life. We can point to various moments in history to back up Doza's statement with real world situations. Yeah. But to bring it a little closer to contemporary times, we can take a look at how different our world is post 9 11. 
and the freedoms we are willing and have been willing to give up give in up. the name of safety. Yes. I mean, the amount of freedoms we lost in the mid 2000s is astounding. And people still don't realize how much we gave up, especially a lot of young children who were born after 9-11. They don't understand people who are now, what, 15, 16 years old. They don't understand how much we willingly gave up to the government and how much power we gave to them oh, after yeah. that. Because and I, why did we do it, Dave? Why did we do it? Because we were afraid yes. and we wanted to feel safe. Safe. Are we better off? Have Or have we made it possible for our government to always create the boogeyman whenever they want to enact political change. And this is the real world aspect they brought to a fucking kids chart kids cartoon this week. And this is why resistance is turning the nose up because of moments like this. Never mind the development of Kaz, right? And the clear direction. That's all fine and good. This political statement is brilliant. It's what's wrong with this country currently. The amount of powers we have given to our leaders in the name of freedom. Yes. It was exactly the message that Not the George of, Lucas was working with in his prequel. Not in the name of freedom, but just security. Yep. Of security. Yep. And I love story stories like this, even in any any uh, like media that has ever tackled this storytelling, where it's like, how much are you willing to give up for your security versus your freedom? You know, like taking outside of uh, Star Wars, Marvel's Civil War, one of my favorite storylines of Marvel. Wait, Civil War? Civil War. Or Winter Soldier? Civil War. Not, Ugh, not I the, hate the Civil not War. Not the movie. Not the movie. Oh, comic book. The yes. comic book. Yes. The actual comic Civil War from Marvel dealt with that so well because- Agreed. Yes. A lot of people question, do you, how much do you want to give up for your security? That was the overall question. And I loved it that in Resistance, they bring this up. And you're right. Doza has a good point. Doza's like going, looks and says, like, well, at what cost? Yeah, we have the security, but what did I have to give up for it? You know, like, he made the right choice of giving the First Order their foothold because his daughter was in play. Yep. And the security of his daughter over overtook his decision and honestly who wouldn't do that who wouldn't do this it? is why it works dave because it's realistic and relatable who wouldn't who wouldn't and and, and if you wouldn't talk about the mind fuckery that it would do to yourself if you choose not they choose not to put the safety first of your children over anything else yeah so it's it's good dave it's not just like hey solid episode it's fucking good yeah and that's why I was blown away as I'm watching this episode. My my draw my jaw dropped. I'm like Jesus, they're using some great fucking narrative cues, you know, from real world. I can't even speak anymore. You know what? Let's just end the show. So stupid. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, um, really fast, Dave. Before we close out today's discussion, Sonara and Kaz, is this turning? Is this going to turn into a bit of a love story between the two I, of them? I think so. I mean, that seems. And are you okay with it? I am going. Uh, I am okay with it because, mm-hmm. like, both characters are in kind of like the same boat. They're the, it's 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 much more palatable seeing their story run parallel to each other. Sonara as they're an both, undercover pirate. Yep. And then 
Kaz is an undercover resistance fighter. Oh, I love that you picked up on that. And their stories are basically crossing over each other. And it, this is more palatable than, you know, the at first I thought they were going to force the whole Doza's daughter and Kaz yeah. as a couple. And I was willing to take that. But I think this relationship's more palatable because it's more organically done. Yeah, it works better. And you're right with the parallels between the two of them and what they are going to do. And and while they're doing their jobs as, you know, spies, essentially, who well, none of them are really none of them really decided this is what they wanted to do. They were both kind of forced into it. Even Kaz. Yes. I mean, he met Poe. He's all, yeah, sure. I'll do whatever you want, boss. I'm a fan of you. I'm a fan of you. Yeah. Talk about the abuse I of think power. You're going to be a great spy. Yeah, talk about God the abuse of power. Poe. I mean, Poe using his uh, superstardom as a resistance to get Kaz <laughs> to do whatever he wants. That's isn't that essentially what, what he did? Isn't that a Me Too movement type thing? Like he, he used his position of power to get Kaz to do what he wishes. His his uh, his star celebrity status as a resistance fighter got Kaz <laughs> to do exactly what he wanted, wanted him to do. But you're right about the parallels between the two of them. And while they're going about doing what they're told to do, they're finding themselves. And that's a beautiful story. And if they do end up falling in love, I'm not a fan of, of love stories being put in everything. I'm not opposed to it as long as that's not always the fallback. But I'm, I, I think I would be interested in seeing that continue. Honestly, I feel like it, it has brought a level of realism to Kaz's character that was just blindingly missing. Yeah. So if this will help him or help the writers to continue to flesh him out as a character, then by all means, please keep doing it. I'm on board. I'm on board. With Plus, Anara is kind of hot. Let's be honest. Especially if she was a real woman. Those green, plumpy lips. <laughs> big old curvy buttocks. Yeah, she do, she's a bit thick. Yeah, I, I like that. <laughs> Sonara's a keeper. If she was a real person, I would definitely hook up. I'm like, listen, I'm a human. I don't know what the fuck you are, but hey, you're hot. Kaz but, just basically looks at her. I, I know I'm clumsy, but wait till we get into oh, the sack. Oh, I'm not clumsy in bed. <laughs> oh, shit. I didn't put a condom on. My bad. My bad. Oh, waves his hands in the air. He's so clumsy. He's so clumsy. So stupid. You know, you're an alien. I'm a human. I don't think it's genetically possible to have babies, but I'm willing to try vigorously. Let's do it. (laughs) All right. We just lost all credibility (laughs) at the very last moment. Dave, final thoughts in a nutshell, 15 to 20 seconds. We've already gone through it all. So 15, 20 seconds. Boom. Go. Okay. This episode of Resistance really took it up a notch. It is actually one of my favorite episodes to date. For the for the se- for the second half of the season, uh, I think they're doing really well tackling these very mature storylines for a kid's audience. They're making it more, you know, all around audience instead of a kid's show. And I really like all the developments from all the characters. This is actually a type of storyline that needs to be done in Resistance, which is what we were being pitched on, which is a story of a rising rebellion and not just the rebellion, but also an impressive regime in the first order. So overall great episode. I give it a solid B plus. All right. Dave, I'm going to take it up a notch. I'm going to give it an A. Yeah, that's right. I gave it an A. Never thought I would do that for a resistance episode, but they're doing, they're doing good. And I'm not I'm not one of those people that just refuses to hate. You know, a lot of people, Dave, will 
take their first impression of a person or a TV show, a movie, a book, and they'll never look back after that one impression. And even if they are seeing the episodes and they're like, wow, it's getting better. It doesn't matter. They're still going to hate. They're still going to hate watch. We're not like that. And I have no problem enjoying the show for what it is, as long as there's some intelligence behind it and it's getting there. Yes. So solid episode. I'm happy. And I'm actually, I'm actually looking forward to the rest of the season. I want to thank everybody for listening to Star Wars from the back to tank. If you miss any part of this broadcast, because you were listening to us live on our RM channel 001 24-7 stream, you can find us on demand via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. Just search Star Wars from the back to tank. Thank you, David. Thank you. May the force be with us. Hello, this is Stormtrooper 1. And if you've missed any portion of the show, you can always head over to FromTheBackToTank.com and uh, listen to the show at your leisure. Uh, we're also on Stitcher, Smart Radio, Stitcher.com, search BACTA, and that is to your favorites. Thank you. And uh, listen responsibly. And may the Force be with you. And long live. From the Back to Tank, and From the Back to Tank is executive produced by Michael Flores and Dustin Lucas, hosted by Michael Flores, David Zabal. You can find out more about our show by going to www.fromthebacktotank.com. You can also find us on Twitter at From Back to Tank, as well as Facebook, facebook.com slash From the Back to Tank. Thank you.